welcome to the More Deadly Podcast, where we review horror films exclusively directed by women, which prove that the female of the species is more deadly, get it? More deadly than the male. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> I'm your host, Rachel, and joining me is the other host who, um, who I love talking about weird horror movies with, <laughs> like we will be today. Ariel. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah? How is life post-amulet? <laughs> I can't stop thinking about it, honestly. <laughs> same. Same. We switched up our schedule to review this, and I was, like, very concerned when it was going to be, like, a few days between watching it and talking about it. It was not a problem. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, exactly. emblazoned in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there are certain things that I feel like are going to be stuck in my head for quite a while. Yeah, and I, that's not, not necessarily a bad thing. No, not at like, all. Yeah, there's some things that you cannot unsee. So we're going to be reviewing Amulet, directed by, and I hopefully I'm going to say this right, so you might have to correct me. Romola Gary. Thank you. Gary. Oh, I was going to mess that one up too. Romola Ga- Gary. That's a great name. Yeah. I recognize this, her as an actress, but this is the, is this, well, we'll get into that, I guess. Yeah. So. How have you been? What's going on with you? Before we get into the movie, how are you doing? You know. Did the neighbors upstairs move out yet? They have, and nobody has moved in so far, which is pretty awesome. So. Let's hope it's not the mother from Amulet. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a terrifying experience. There's going to be like an eye looking at you. Oh, God. The- <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So... Let's talk about our spoiler policy. We always break down our spoiler policy before every episode, but it's a little bit different this week. So do you mind letting our listeners know how we're going to be handling spoilers this episode? Yeah. So normally we just say that we're going to spoil everything. But this time, we're like Rachel said, we're going to do it a little bit differently. So at the top, we're going to give a more general review. And then we're going to let you know when we're going to get into the more nitty gritty details that will be spoilery. So if you're bothered by... Knowing what the twists and turns are, you can step away at that point. Yeah, definitely. And this one is just brand new on video and demand. So I feel like a responsibility to be a little more careful with the twists and turns on this one, since I don't know that people have had a ton of time to see it yet. Right. Yeah, definitely. All right, cool. So now you picked Amulet. Tell me a little bit about how that came to be and why you selected it and all that jazz. Sure. Honestly, no big reason other than I had heard about it and the premise of it sounded kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much all there was to it. I mean, to that's it. a totally valid reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's how I usually pick my movies, so that seems fair. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, tell me a little bit about Ramla. <laughs> all right. So Ramla Gary is an actress who has just started writing and directing as well. She was born in Hong Kong, and then her family moved to Singapore before relocating to England when she was eight, which is kind of interesting. Um, And then she also went to, like, a bunch of boarding schools. Not a bunch, but, like, a couple of boarding schools, which I always think is so interesting because I have never met somebody who went to a boarding school. And when I was a kid, like, you'd always read books, kids who went to boarding school, and it seemed (laughs) exotic and interesting. (laughs) To the point that when I was a kid, I didn't even really know if they were a real thing because you never met anybody that went to boarding school. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't think I've met anybody that went to boarding school. Yeah, so Maybe she's... that just means we're poor. <laughs> Prob- honestly, probably. <laughs> so uh, she started acting when she was in high school in her high school's theater program. And then she started um, acting in the National Youth Theater in London, which I guess is kind of a prestigious deal. 
Her first acting role that was paid for was a TV role doing a uh, made-for-TV movie where she played the younger version of Judy Dench in The Last of the Blonde Bombshells, which I feel like if you're going to start out on TV, playing opposite Judy Dench is probably a pretty good way to go. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good compliment <laughs> wrapped in an awesome role. Yeah. Right. So since then, uh, she's been in a ton of British miniseries, including Emma and Nicholas. That's Nickleby. where I know her from. Is from I was like, wait, that's uh-huh. Emma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then this one that sounds really cool about somebody who builds miniatures that I kind of want to watch called The Miniaturist. Oh, I've seen it. Yes. Oh, is it good? Yes. <laughs> okay. We'll move on. <laughs> I mean, it is. As someone who doesn't like a downer, I don't know that you'll. It's kind of a downer. Gotcha. But it's interesting. It's good. It's like beautifully made. Okay. All right. Well, maybe I'll check it out. And then she's been in a bunch of movies too, including Atonement, The Last Days on Mars, Vanity Fair, and Dirty Dancing Havana Nights. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's range. I got to give it up to her. That's range. Yeah. So she started acting when she was about 16. And she says that she just kind of fell into it and then just kept getting roles. But as she's gotten older, she wanted to do something with her career that she chose to do. Mm -hmm. And that's when she moved into writing. Ah. So she's still acting. But um, she started writing screenplays Hmm. uh, shortly after that. So then in 2012, she wrote and directed a short film called Scrubber, which I tried to find a copy of, but I couldn't get my hands on it. Like YouTube has a four minute version of it, but it's 20 minutes long. So weird. Anyways, it's about a young mother obsessed and attracted to the notions of perfection and dirt and explores these seemingly conflicting opposites through the desperate pursuit of anonymous sex. Whoa. So it sounds really interesting. Spicy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was nominated for Best International Short Film at Sundance, and then at the London Film Festival, it actually won the Underwire Award for Best Female Character. Underwire? That's what it's called. Underwire. Yeah. Underwire. I know. I know. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Maybe rename it, guys. Underwire. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> All right. So Amulet is her first feature film. And That's um, wild. During, yeah, I know. And during her long acting career, she's never actually acted in a horror film. So when she started writing scripts, she was really focused on writing dramas. But she wanted to make a film, she said, that had a really big visceral impact on the audience. And that's what kind of drove her towards writing horror. Yeah, horror rules. (laughs) And then also she talked about really loving special effects and body horror and Uh creatures. Uh And so she wanted to Uh make a movie where she could, like, use all of that. That's... Um, yeah. <laughs> she named the Babadook Raw and Revenge as some of her favorite recent horror movies. Those are excellent choices. Cool. Yeah. She said that she wanted to subvert viewers' expectations of the relationship between men and women in horror films because she said they the relationship between men and women tends to be the same in a lot of horror movies, and mm. she wanted to kind of shake things up a bit. Oh, also 80% of her crew were women. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. The, and the director of photography and the production designer were both women. And she was, she said in this interview that when she interviewed people for these different positions, that she was interviewing really an equal number of men and women. But the people who, the women who had read the script 
were really drawn to it. And so she ended up going with a lot of women because of that. I could see that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's really um, cool. Because then, I mean, obviously, if they're connecting with the material, there's right. going to be more passion in the projects. And, and mm -hmm. I think that that is uh, evident. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. She also said that she worked really closely with the DP to make sure that the three different locations. So the film is set kind of in three different places, right? In the right. forest, in London, and then inside this house. And that she worked with them to make them look really different. She wanted the house, inside of the house, to look like a classic horror film. Yes, it has a very gothic vibe. Yeah, exactly. So she wanted to have really, she said, really constructed cinematography and for the house to look a specific way to really capture all of that. She said that she wanted the shots that were out in London to look like a contemporary drama mm -hmm. so that there'd be realism to it. Yep. And then with the flashback scenes where they're in the woods, she wanted that to look like a gothic fairy tale. And she named mm -hmm. Pan's Labyrinth as a, damn it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know I said it wrong. <laughs> damn it. I even, when I wrote it, I was like, you got to say it right, Ariel. You got to do it. <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I knew, I knew you were thinking. <laughs> you can feel my eyebrows go like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> she... She named that movie as inspiration for the look of those scenes. Very cool. Yeah. And then the house itself was actually a practical location. So that wasn't all sets. The mm. only set part of it was the attic. Okay. Yeah. And she was talking about how they had picked out a mansion, kind of a, a old mansion that was supposed to be where they were filming. But I guess like two weeks before they were starting to film, another production scooped up that location. Shady. So <laughs> shady. Yeah. So they had to pick this other house. She said that in the long run, she thinks it worked better because it was smaller mm -hmm. in scale. So it gave the set designer more of a chance to really change things. Like they changed out windows and doors and wow. a lot of painting and stuff to make it look the way it looked. Wow. Also, yeah. there's something more claustrophobic than, like, I mean, I get the appeal of a giant mansion, but there's something about, like, an old farmhouse where they're just so on top of each other yeah. that actually somehow makes it work even better. Yeah, the scenes really do feel closed in. And I guess when they were filming, they really spent a ton of time in that house. <laughs> I would imagine. Which, yeah. They said that there weren't any places for them to kind of like hang out when they weren't filming. So they actually used the attic of that house is where they would like take breaks. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's all I got. Awesome. Well, that's really, really interesting. Okay. So let me tell you about this movie. Here's a little synopsis. Again, I'm going to try hard not to do any spoilers till we get past our spoiler wall. So here we go. <laughs> all right. So Amulet focuses on a gentleman by the name of Tomas. It's told in two timelines. The first takes place while he is still in the military, where he's posted somewhere out in the remote woods, unclear where this place is. Or maybe I just don't have a firm grasp on world politics because I don't actually know what's going on. The second is sometime later, where he's now an unhomed man living in London. Presumably he is suffering from PTSD from his time in the in the military as evidenced by the fact that he tapes his hands together at night before he goes to sleep and then is plagued by nightmares. Tom Moss is not having a great time, but his luck seems to 
be turning when after there's a fire at the place where he's sleeping, he gets recruited by Sister Claire, who is a nun who connects him with this woman named Magda, who is taking care of her dying mother in a dilapidated old home, who just needs help. She needs help around the house. She needs repairs around the house. And Sister Claire kind of sees this as a place where like they can kind of help each other out. So he moves in. They start to forge a friendship. And eventually things start to take a little bit of a sinister turn when he gets a look at what's happening uh, upstairs. (laughs) (laughs) And I will leave it at that for now. So as I said, we're going to start with just sort of our unspoilery thoughts about the movie. So these are sort of like general takes on it. Uh, Do you want to start, Ariel? Sure. What did you think of the movie? So there are a lot of things that I really liked about this movie. When we get into more detail later, there are a few things that I didn't okay. like so much. Interesting. But for the most part, I really liked this movie. I mean, it's filmed beautifully. The house itself is like a, its own character. And I think one of the cool things about this movie, too, is without giving anything away, you kind of think the movie is one mm-hmm. thing and then it really kind of flips the script on you towards the end and does some interesting things that I really did not expect. And I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I appreciate that in a movie because that doesn't always happen. You know, it's like you've seen so many movies that sometimes it can be hard to still surprise you. And this one definitely did. I think anybody who's a fan of body horror and kind of weird gory stuff will enjoy this movie too. Cause there's a lot of good stuff there also. Uh, yeah, I think I maybe am a little more positive on it, on it than you are. I really liked this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, I'm actually mostly curious what you didn't like. So th- that'll be fun when we get into that part of it. Like you, I had, I really didn't know what to expect going into this movie, but you kind of settle into it and go like, okay, I, I kind of get the genre that this is in. And at one point during the movie, I looked at the person I was watching it with and was like, I have no idea where this is going, which yeah. I really appreciate. Rarely do I not know kind of where, like, I, I, am I unable to orient myself, at least in terms of a subgenre? And that was not the case with this. So that was pretty exciting. Uh, it, it has these very gothic roots that we talked a little bit about with the setting. The mysterious person upstairs. It's sort of a trope, a staple in horror. And it always works for me because there is just this sense of unease of, you know, because you know there's something sinister about this character that's off screen. But at the same time, it could be anything from like truly just a sad old lady that is maybe being abused by her daughter. You don't know. to All the way to full Dunwich horror. You know, you just don't know. Yeah, and I- yeah, and I think at different points in this movie, you think both of those things. Yes. You know? Yeah, which is part of why I think this movie works so well for me. Exactly. Yeah, I, and it, you and I have talked about, like, anytime there's, like, a compelling mystery, we're in. Whether it's good or bad, if you if you are mysterious, you have me. And I felt like this movie, <laughs> yeah. it has a very measured pace for, the, like, the first two-thirds. And for people who don't maybe have a lot of patience... That might be that might be an issue for me. That's not. I I'm perfectly happy with a slower paced movie that leads. As long as we talked about this a lot last time with with the other lamb. As long as there's a payoff, I'm happy with a kind of a slow pace. But also, if there's a central mystery, pff, are you kidding me? I will stick through just about anything. And I felt, I will watch complete trash if it has a central mystery involved. Right. And this is not trash. It's really good. Right. But yes. the mystery just like keeps you going even through the slower parts of it. Yes. I was so compelled by the mystery that it was not an issue for me. I And I thought that the movie had this really effective sort of eerie atmosphere to it. The house itself is kind of rotting with water is fully compromised and the walls are covered with mold. And it 
even though that in the foreground, like sort of the A plot is sort of this budding relationship between our lead characters, that that background just like never allows you to feel safe because there's always something literally rotting around yeah, them. Yeah, the house is so cool looking. They did such a good job yeah. with all the like black mold and every yeah. kind of, everything kind of looks like this dirty beige color. It's like a grosser version of Mrs. Havisham's house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so when the movie kind of takes a turn and you find out that it, you know, there's sort of this simmering feminist rage underneath all of it, mm-hmm. um, which we can get into more when we get into spoilers. I was just very excited to have seen, to be completely caught off guard by a movie in that way. Um, across the board, performances are really great. Emilia really Stanton are. is super a fun queen. as Sister Claire. She's so good. <laughs> like I, I, she gets to be a little, she gets to be a pious and campy and a bunch of other things. She's, she's an interesting nun. Let's just say that. Carla <laughs> <laughs> Jury plays Magda, who is our main female character and her performance also is amazing because she alternates between this extreme fragility and but at the same time there's always this uncanniness to her that feels mm-hmm. a little a little off like when she's dancing you're like mm, what's this about like it's charming <laughs> but also a little like i said like a sense of uncanny and then obviously Tomas, who's played by a romanian actor named alec second room second room i listened to it and i already forgot how to say it i mean he has the most to do and we'll talk about it when we get into the main review but i thought he was amazing in this i really did too yeah he's fantastic and the end was we're gonna go with impactful <laughs> <laughs> so overall yeah i would say if you are curious about this movie do not spoil it for yourself because it's it, it Part of the fun is solving the mystery, but it is, in my opinion, absolutely worth your time. How about you? Oh, I totally agree. I mean, like I was saying that there were things I don't like about them, like the movie as much, but they're kind of nitpicky things okay. about about it. Overall, I think this is really great. There's so much here to like sink your teeth in. I really do think people enjoy it if they give it a chance. Just like know that the first it's going to take you a little bit to really get into the story so you just have to be kind of a little bit patient there and like maybe 15 or 20 minutes in it's worth it though hang in absolutely worth it yeah all right so for those of you who are spoiler adverse this is your chance to duck out and come back after you've watched the movie Um, because we are going to unleash the spoilers at this point whatever we want to talk about i mean we're going to talk about the end because i have got to process it with someone (laughs) (laughs) i've been living with this by myself for too long i need (laughs) i I need communion (laughs) 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 so consider yourself warned if you're sticking with us welcome to the spoiler zone all right ariel you have been unleashed tell me (laughs) what you liked about this movie (laughs) <laughs> okay well first of all uh we already talked about imelda stanton's uh acting yes but more specifically first she's amazing yeah oh, <laughs> she's yeah. so good in this role and i part of what makes this movie so captivating is that all of our characters really change throughout the course of the movie like from what you think they are to what they actually are in the end mm-hmm. and she's no different like you see her in the beginning and she's a nun and she seems, like, very caring and, like, she wants to help Tomas and she wants to help Magda. And you think maybe she's a bit manipulative because she gets rid of his money, right? right? But that it's for good reason. Yeah, good a cause. means she's to really... an end. Yeah. Exactly. And then 
you kind of slowly start to see her drop that facade. Like one of the next times he meets with her, she's smoking mm-hmm. and she's got this like gold cigarette holder thingy. And then <laughs> once she fully unleashes like you know, the real I her, love it. I love it. She's wearing amazing clothes and she's got like red lipstick on and she's just, yeah, like you said, there's like a little bit of camp there in her mm-hmm. performance. And it's really, really great. Yeah, she's just um, like, all this moldy scenery, I'm about to chew it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's just so good. Like, right. I need to see her in more stuff because she's amazing. Oh, God, she's amazing in everything. Didn't she play, like, a bad teacher in Harry Potter yes. or something, too? Yes. Did you? Have you not? Well, first of all, Harry Potter is canceled. We don't yeah. fuck with J.K. Rowling at all. Mm-hmm. However, no. she definitely was in it. <laughs> she was uh, <laughs> Professor Dumbridge? Umbridge. Umbridge. Yeah, Umbridge. that's right. To me, she's the best slash worst villain in all the books. Uh I mean, I get it. Voldemort's the big bad, whatever. But (laughs) let me tell you, (laughs) Uh. she is the proto-Karen. She's she's essentially what J.K. Rowling's spirit and heart looks like. (laughs) (laughs) But enough of her. Yes, I absolutely love Imelda Staunton. So similarly with Tomas, I I think his storyline's really interesting, too, because you get to see, as you learn more about him, kind of the bad shit inside. (laughs) Um, When you when we first meet him, you think he's really troubled and and Mm -hmm. he has PTSD from the war. But he seems like a good guy, right? That he wants to help Magda, that he doesn't. And that he does it out of like a kind a yeah. Out of kindness. Like, he doesn't right. want to stay because he's not wanted. He doesn't want to be where he's not wanted. But then when he sees the bruises on her, it touches his heart. And you're yeah. like, this is a good dude. Yeah, mm. exactly. And in the flashback <laughs> scenes, you see him going out of his way to help a woman who's, like, maybe a refugee or something. And she's trying to get over the border. And so at first, he seems like this really good guy. And then right. I feel like before you learn that he's really not, <laughs> yeah. you get little maybe little tastes of it where he seems kind of weirdly controlling of the woman that he's taking care of her helping in the woods yeah. or kind of the way he grabs Magda mm-hmm. feels like when I saw him do that the first time, I was just like, Ooh, I don't like that. And at first I was like, I wonder if the director intended that or, or, or not. Obviously she's dropping breadcrumbs, yes. but. And it's smart because it can all be explained away. Yeah. With the PTSD yes. and trauma of war, that you can dismiss it, and then because then it'll turn around and do something really sweet, and you're like, oh no no no, it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But all of that was, I just think it was so smart, yeah. you know, to to play his character that way. And like we were saying before, the actor does such a good job. Yeah, I mean, I love that he's presented as the quote unquote good man, and he's mm-hmm. a little sad, and he's really handsome, and he has these big haunted eyes, and I think. That's extremely intentional in terms of the casting. He's yeah. he is every dreamy guy from like a British drama. Mm-hmm. Every sad soldier somebody finds in an attic and takes in and then they fall in love. That is who this character presents himself to be. And so the genius of that character to me is how that rug gets ripped out from underneath your feet. And you see that this quote unquote good man actually committed the very violent sexual assault. Yeah. The reason I am so compelled by this, I mean, in terms of just like flipping the script, great. But moreover, 
I think the Tomas character is really interesting because it really complicates the narrative about what a rapist looks like. Yeah. It reminds me of this. I don't know where I read it, but I read something. It's probably like Twitter or something where someone said every woman knows another woman who has been sexually assaulted, but no men know a rapist. How can that be? Oh, that's good. Right? And so I kind of think that that is sort of the core idea of what we're getting at with this Tomas character. Yeah, because I think that you can kind of build that up into the person being like a monster that you would see as a monster when you Mm -hmm. met them. But that's really It can be the dreamy, sad soldier with the soft eyes. Right, exactly. And it it plays on your expectations Mm -hmm. from, like, viewing other movies where you're like, okay, well, he's a little bit emotionally damaged from the war. And she's a little bit, you know, fragile and and hurt because of what's happening with her mother. But the two of them, like, their love will fix these issues. And then it really changes things on you. It's amazing how well this movie makes you root for their love story Mm -hmm. until you don't. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, no. But it, it especially like uh, we were talking about how they change the the way that they shoot the film changes depending on the setting. Those scenes where they're in the bar before he has what appears to be like a PTSD flashback, but is something else. It does feel like you're you've slipped into some sort of indie romance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this movie seduces you as an audience member into rooting for this love story. Yeah, it's like he's the good guy who's going to pull her out of her shell and take her somewhere that she would never do for herself. Right. They're going to go dancing. And she's the quirky, odd, charming one that he's falling in love with. And yeah. then when they get home, it becomes she's the person who's heal his heart from mm-hmm. whatever happened. And they're going to fall in love and they're going to have sex and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and then the movie's like, that's not what we're doing here. Sorry. <laughs> and I, I, there were some th- twists in this movie that I definitely saw coming. This ne- wasn't necessarily one of them. <laughs> but I, I felt like when I caught up to what was happening was really quickly, like very, very shortly before actually the reveal. Mm-hmm. After a long time of being so Team Tomas. Yeah. Even when the first time we see Miriam wake up and he's like, you can run. I won't follow you. And like, you're like, yes, girl, you're safe. He's a good dude. No, 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 no. <laughs> It's, no, it was he's going to be the one chasing you. They have the conversation where he admits that he knows her, that he yeah. would go into where she worked and watched her and she never looked up. And you see that anger that she never noticed him. That yeah, that entitlement. Like, uh, oh. Yeah. That was a very familiar dynamic. Oh, the body horror in this movie is great. <laughs> I know. and the creature effects too yeah the creature effects are awesome and just the the grossness of the house the water and the toilet like when he's plunging the toilet that's a great scene i mean that water is putrid and disgusting looking Uh and then when when you discover what is blocking i the toilet w t f yeah that is not what i thought was going to come out of that toilet <laughs> no. but it looks so good it's this like creepy yeah. bat but not <laughs> yeah so gross also don't pull things out of your toilet and put them on the kitchen table just saying that's gross and he does that but you know what i'm gonna second that <laughs> dude this is how coronavirus started <laughs> It was a bat out of a toilet. People think it was a bat at a wet market. No. Toilet bats. 
toilet pads. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dark. I know it's dark. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, so all of that all of that is really great. When they go up into the attic for the first time, seeing the sick mother and the way that mm. or what you think is a sick mother and the way that she looks is impressive too. Like it's jarring how dilapidated that um, attic is and how bruised and dirty and ill cared for the mother is. And then Mm -hmm. you see her like lash out at Magda and it makes you realize like, wow, things are so much weirder and so much worse than I thought. This is not just a sick mother who's like wailing upstairs because she's in pain, you know? Right. But then you also, it still leaves you with the belief that, okay, well maybe the problem isn't just that she's having to care for her sick mother, but that there's this like abusive dynamic between them and Mm -hmm. that the mother is so sick that she's lashing out at Magda. And so that's the issue. Like it just keeps messing with you that way, which is really great. Um, I think it really speaks to the performance of that actor too. You see what looks like abuse and neglect of mm -hmm. the mother. All evidence is laid out before you of what is happening here. And yet she is able to make you believe that the mother is choosing this and she's actually the victim in this dynamic. Yeah. Which is incredible. Yeah. It's, it's a powerful performance because you buy into it. Right. Which is wild. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Cause it it feels like looking back on it, like you should have known sooner. Yeah. You know? And that's the thing is I think I need, I, because we had screeners, I wasn't able to go back and watch it a second time. Yeah. But I, I do at some point want to because Me I want to see all of the hidden things. Because I mean, throughout the movie, there's all these visual motifs that are hints around shells. And there's yes. a couple obvious examples. But I'm wondering if there were more. Because there's one, one at the end of the bed and there's the one that he uncovers when he's like cleaning the ceiling. But I'm I'm wondering if there's even more hidden shells throughout the movie. So all of that, all the creature effects are great. You talked about earlier the eye through the ceiling. Yes. That scene is so creepy. Mm-hmm. There's just something so disturbing about looking through this tiny hole, realizing that this person upstairs is watching you. That's um, just very, very upsetting. Yes. We haven't really gotten into this so much, but the birth scenes, or if that's what you want to call them... Mm. Um, (laughs) I mean, I think that's what, what they are. Yeah. Those are intense and they're done really well. Right. All the fighting stuff and like the stabbing all looks great. Oh Um, God. Yes. It's gruesome. It's pretty gruesome. Which I loved, but I was also like, Yeah, this movie definitely gives a whole new meaning to the phrase having demons. Someone, <laughs> if, like, he literally has demons. Right. Has them and has them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that reveal is something else, man. It really, that was the twisty twist that I did not see a coming. I did not see that I at was like, all. There's a penis! Yeah. <laughs> Because I think you figure, okay, this is like at first you're like, maybe this is kind of a haunted house type of a deal, yes. or maybe mm-hmm. this is a possession kind of a thing, mm-hmm. which it sort of is, but it's so much more than that. Yeah. <laughs> In really um, cool and kind of uh, profound ways, and also just like gross body horror ways, you know? It's really surprising to me that Romola is not, I mean, I guess. We don't know if she's an actual horror fan. Do you know, does she talk anything about at all about loving horror films? 
Yeah, she did. I mean, I talked about how she really liked like Revenge and Raw and the Mm -hmm. Babadook, but she talked about loving Rosemary's Baby and The Shining. Mm -hmm. Um, She says she's always watched horror movies, has just never had the opportunity to act in one before. That makes more sense because it feels like the creation of someone that really knows their way around the genre. Yes. Because she totally takes all these tropes like the haunted house possession and she throws them at you in a fresh new way that are not rehashes, they're misdirects. And I think you have to to have some, like that level of mastery over how to manipulate and use the the tropes. You have to be a horror fan. That's why I, I when you said she'd only done she had never done a horror movie, it confused me for a second. I'm like, this person clearly loves horror, right? And she wrote it too. You know, yeah. And I mean, her first go at a feature film. I think this is incredibly impressive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, because this movie is so layered and complicated, you don't necessarily have to watch it that way, but there's so much in this movie. And it's a, I just think it's really impressive that you could, one, just like make a movie. <laughs> like That always impresses me that people right. manage to pull this shit off. Yeah. But have one that is done so competently and beautifully and then subverts your expectations so much. Because this really is kind of like a different take on a rape revenge film in the end yeah yeah i'm yeah i guess you're right i hadn't really thought of it as one in the case of tomas yeah absolutely it's a rape revenge movie which is there anything else you want to talk to before we get into the ending no we can get into the ending because yeah now that you're framing it as a rape revenge movie it's helping me kind of understand what happens at the end so the shell (laughs) (laughs) yeah so this is the one part where I started to feel like, like in this one scene, I started to question whether I was smart enough for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Cause I, felt like, Cause I felt like I was really on board with what everything meant and like where everything was going. And then it yeah. takes such a sharp left turn here. It sure do. Um, into territory where I'm not entirely sure I got it. So the amulet, we, yes. we keep seeing it pop up throughout the movie yes. i really you know saw it as like this goddess protector figure yes. and that it's almost like haunting him the way he sees it like in the ceiling i'm mm-hmm. reminding him of what he did mm-hmm. but i don't know that i entirely understand him crawling through the shell and on the other side it's the amulet but it's magda yeah I don't I don't know that I quite made the connection of what exactly the director was trying to do there. I mean, it looks amazing. It's fascinating. And it's kind of one of those things where you're just like, whoa, what the hell? Like, What's going on? Right. That ultimate I mean, and and I like that stuff in movies. So I'm not Mm -hmm. opposed to it, even if I don't fully understand it. But I'm wondering if you got more out of it than I did. So we're getting a little into my cons here, but that's fine. Screw it. So the mythology reveal comes so late in this movie and it's given to him from an unreliable narrator yeah so everything we learn is suspect and so i was i i came away initially as confused as tomas you know like (laughs) i i i mean i knew that i liked what i was seeing and visually i was it was so unexpected for him to open the door and discover this shell and you're just like oh we're in a whole new supernatural place yes whoa this was i did not see this coming and so i knew i liked it but i didn't understand it <laughs> yeah that's, that's feel like this feel. movie nailed it thematically mm-hmm. i think it nailed it in nine out of ten ways 
the one way that I have a little issue with, but as we've been actually talking through this, I'm feeling like it's starting to kind of crystallize for me. But I, I felt like the lore and the rules of this universe were unclear to me. Yeah, so that's in my con category too when we when we get more into it. But yeah, I do I mean, think that's that... honestly my only con. Yeah, it's just that I didn't understand it. And here is where I think I think I've sorted through this. So you okay. tell me what you think if if there's any holes in this theory. Okay. So he finds the amulet totally coincidentally, gives it to her, and when he gives it to her, he says, "Maybe this will protect you." He now associates the visual of the amulet with her. That's why right. he's flashing back to them. Yeah. So in the very final, final scene, we see Magda bring the amulet back to Miriam, who we didn't know whether or not she had survived, but she has moved on. She's reunited with her daughter. She's now working at a gas station convenience store of some kind out in the middle of nowhere. And Magda returns the amulet to her. So my thinking is after Miriam left, she used the amulet to maybe summon. Oh, interesting. Goddess of protection. Mm -hmm. Or maybe the god or the amulet itself brought all of this to her attention, his attention. But I'm thinking that she used the amulet to get justice for what had happened to her. And when you, so when that kind of clicked into place, when you said the thing about rape revenge. Mm -hmm. And so the giving of the amulet was here you go. Justice has been served. Yeah. And so, and that's why she, when she saw it, she, she knew, she knew what it meant when she saw it. And so my feeling is that Magda is the, she is the goddess. The, the story about this person has oh. to go ta be the caretaker of a demon and she served her time. I don't think that that's true. I think that that's a misdirect so that basically she, Sister Claire could get Tomas to say, I want her. Because he insisted on her, and she's like, "Well, you're gonna get her then." And that was sort of the last nail in the oh, coffin. Oh my gosh! That, yes, that meant that he now was like he had he had basically completely signed off to be taken for punishment by this goddess. Yes, no, and so that's that's perfect. I I had really followed everything with the amulet, but I don't think I had connected the idea that Magda really was the goddess. She and is the goddess. That yeah. I feel like changes everything. This is her purpose as someone yes. who protects women. Right. Is to torture these demons. Right. And so this is his torture beginning. And he yeah. had every opportunity to get out of it. But his entitlement to her, even though Sister Claire kept saying she's done her time, she's free now. And he's like, no, her, her, her. So he was happy to, not happy, but he was willing to sacrifice her happiness, her freedom for his desires. And it's a second violation mm -hmm. while it maybe he was not sexually assaulting her he basically was violating her and like did not care about her autonomy and did not care if she wanted to he didn't even ask her he insisted on her and and so i think it kind of like reinforced that this is who he was as yeah. sorry as he was when another opportunity presented himself if he really cared about her he would have sacrificed that he didn't right no and, and that makes so much sense to me too because I was questioning why Imelda Staunton's character went through with that. Like when he made this outrageous request that she was yeah. just like, oh, okay. And kind of, you know, almost gleeful about the fact that he was going to well, Because she's this. like, you had every chance. Yeah. I gave yeah. you every chance. Right. No. And that, it, that makes so much more sense to me thinking about it that way that Magda isn't just sort of like a, almost like a tool to enact, mm -mm. you know, this revenge, but she really is like the she's avenging the goddess. goddess. Yeah. yeah. She's like, you wanted me. Here I yeah. am. 
And then showing her as the amulet makes perfect sense framed mm -hmm. that way. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, that makes perfect okay. sense because the way that I was viewing it, there were like a couple holes towards mm. the end. And I think that framing it just like slightly differently that Magda is the, you know, is yeah. the goddess really mm -hmm. changes everything. And I, and I also think that, you know, some of the confusion is because these are, like you said, unreliable narrators who are kind of yeah. giving you this information, giving this information to Tomas, but it's not, you know, 100% accurate. <laughs> Which is why I totally want to go back and rewatch this when, and it's out on video on demand now. So I think I'm going to scoop it up and watch it again because I feel like the second time through having that is going to be like a decoder ring. The breadcrumbs are going to be more evident, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, all right, cons. And I've talked about what my one drawback was. Here's the thing. I, okay. I feel like we got to a place where I feel it's resolved, but it doesn't necessarily, it required a lot of homework and a mm -hmm. lot of processing. And I think for most people who just kind of want to watch a movie and not have it spelled out to them, but feel like, okay, I have a, I understand what happened in this movie. This could be a problem. Yeah, I, I do think so. Because I think if you were just watching this casually and not, you know, really taking the time to think about it, I, I do think it could be confusing. You'd just be like, what is with the freaking shell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love it, though. I love the shell. Oh, the visual is amazing. It's so And, like, the way that it just – it is, like, a visual slap. You're just mm -hmm. like, what did I – what is happening? Yeah. And then the whole movie changes. Yes. You know? Yeah. You said you had some other nitpicks. Tell me about it. So them. I think, again, if you were a casual viewer, the, the first like 15 minutes of the movie could be a problem too, mm -hmm. just because the way that it switches back and forth in time without really alerting you to exactly what happens. I mean, they look very different, but you don't know like which one is happening when and exactly what's going on there. I think it can be a little confusing. I think that it it does a good job in switching back and forth and kind of showing his mental state, really. Mm -hmm. But I think until you figure that out, it can be, yeah, just a little confusing there. I would say another thing is there's not enough Imelda Staunton. I wanted more of her scenes. Just mean, like a couple more true. times when he had to meet with her would have been really cool because yeah. she was so good. <laughs> right. She is great. Yeah. You know, I had a couple other things about the ending and the shell. But yeah. I think that we've kind of covered that, that okay. ultimately, I think it makes sense. It's just that you do have to really kind of maybe put in a little bit of work to to understand all of it. Felt like I came in from the movie getting getting it, mm -hmm. but feeling like I did not understand the rules. Mm -hmm. And I think rules are kind of important. Yeah. In a movie for you to fully understand it. And so that, yeah, I, it's not an unforgivable sin, but it is like I was kind of like, huh? And I was one of the reasons I was grateful we were going to talk about it because I was like, maybe Ariel will explain it to me. <laughs> no. <laughs> Whatever. Teamwork, dude. We got, yeah. <laughs> we got there in the end. That's all that matters. Yeah. Can I just say one more pro? I know we're talking about cons. Sure. But there is a scene where you where you finally see what he did to the woman in the woods yeah which is intense i mean her him chasing her through the woods it's so intense and the camera is so far away it's done in a really interesting way and it's really like you feel that on a deep level yeah it reminded me her. a little bit of uh the end of under the skin oh yeah i can see that yeah definitely but when he's sitting on the couch with Magda and 
kind of almost like forgiving himself for it finally like I'm Mm -hmm. talking about it and I can finally move on you almost think for a second that he's going to get that forgiveness but the fact that just forgiving himself isn't doesn't like exculpate him right Right. like it doesn't it doesn't matter that he's finding a way to move on and forgive himself because he did something horrendous and that that affected somebody else's life and he's done nothing to fix that you know right but here's the thing is that's great good i'm glad you forgave yourself forgiving yourself for things is important the problem is is it was not a lesson learned right because literally the next episode the next scene is him psychologically doing the exact same thing all over again yeah demanding somebody's life and body and servitude to him that's what he wants exactly exactly well that's not going to work out. <laughs> Enjoy your Another... butt bath. <laughs> <laughs> Those demon births, man. That's, that and the shell are like two images that I may never, never forget. Never forget, dude. Yeah. Never forget. I also really love the very last scene of this movie where she's bought this like really shitty frozen dinner or something <laughs> yeah. from the this truck stop and just throws like tosses it in the back seat for him and he's like under this blanket just and just like reaches out, come a hand. out. Yeah, yeah 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 and she's yeah. like she basically says something like i'm not you know cooking for you she's like you i know. fucking hate cooking yeah yes that's it exactly. and you're like what? So good. <laughs> the whole movie has been all about her feeding him all this these like meaty delights although yes. i'm like is she feeding him the bats oh I kind of hope so. Me too. Is that why she never ate it? I mean, the first thing he eats kind of looks like the bat. Wow. There's a piece of meat and it has the same flesh colored top to it. Oh, interesting. It looks, it kind of looks like she's feeding on the bats. Yeah, let's just pretend she did. I mean, there's a whole thing about meat and like him just like greedily, like not knowing what the meat is and like how Mm -hmm. he hasn't been hungry in a long time. I'm like, that's bat meat. Yeah, and not even just bat meat, but like demon bat meat. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I just, I love that final scene because there's something kind of joyful and campy in that, you know. I mean, Magda gets to ride off into the sunset. Yeah. Whoa, what a ride. (laughs) (laughs) You can see why I like messaged you after I watched it. I was like, have you watched it yet? All right. Overall, would you recommend Amulet? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this movie is great. There's so many good things about this movie that we've talked about. And I think that there's so much to really enjoy and sink your teeth into here. The mystery of it's great. The way that it subverts your expectations and really turns into something else towards the end makes it really fun and really different. And I think that if you're, you know, somebody who's listening to our show, you probably have watched a ton of horror movies. And so this is going to be interesting for you definitely yeah everything you said i second it absolutely recommend you nailed it well all right so for those of you at home who maybe you're checking out amlet and you have some thoughts maybe maybe our our theory of what the ending means is totally wrong <laughs> whatever the case may be feel free to drop us a line at rachel at zombiegirls.com if you're enjoying the show please review us on itunes and if you're looking for something else to watch because there's always good stuff available check go head over to the zombie girls website and check out our vod calendar which has all the upcoming horror and horror adjacent things that are coming out on video on demand on streaming services there's a bunch of good stuff coming up some of which we'll be covering next week or next (laughs) episode not next week so yeah definitely head over there and check it out and see what's what all right so that just leaves our plans 
for the next episode for those of you who are playing along at home uh it's a me pick i don't know a ton about this movie except for who's directing it i saw the name and that it was horror and i was like yep i'm in done 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 done." (laughs) we're going to be reviewing a movie called she dies tomorrow directed by amy simmons who who like ramala is an actor and as well as a director and writer so really looking forward to this one it looks like it's going to be pretty trippy and it is also by then it'll be available on video on demand as well all right i guess that's it so you want to take us out? Sure. Thank you for listening to the 10th episode of the More Deadly Ooh, Podcast. I can't believe we, Yeah, I can't believe we got here so quickly. This, doing this podcast has been a blast for Rachel and I. I think it's really helped us yeah. getting through this very stressful time yeah. in the world. And we hope that it's been helpful like that for you guys, too. So uh, watch She Dies tomorrow next time, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye. Yeah. And, you know, times are hard, but think of it this way. At least you don't have a butt bat. (laughs) Yeah, nobody needs a butt bat. Right? Right. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. (laughs) 